the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're so glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministry is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer for you today is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God designed you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Well, we're uh, still in Ephesians, chapter 4, and we've been talking about God's intention. I think the first part of Ephesians, we talked about God's intention for us as as Christians. And in chapter 4, it's been directed primarily at the body, which is the church. But the church is, is, like anything else, it's only as relevant as the individuals who are in it, as they're yielded to the work and the power of the Spirit of God within them. Church just becomes a religious institution apart from that. And we don't need any more religious institutions, do we? Last week we said that God's priority for His people on this earth was to mature us in who we are spiritually, and that's why we're here. That's the purpose of us walking upon the planet, going through what we go through. At the end of the day, we don't see or recognize the work of God in our lives, then we've missed the lesson to a large degree. Now, that doesn't mean that we won't come back to it. Because typically, I'm about two-thirds through the lesson before I realize I'm being taught something. Or at the end of the lesson, the next day, whatever the circumstance may be. But in the end, as Christians, God's goal for us is to mature in the truth that He is alive and active in us. That we're not in a, a distant relationship, but we're in an intimate one. And He desires for us to be able to walk in the freedom and the confidence of that relationship. And as individuals, as we begin to do that, then the church as a whole, or as a fellowship, is mobilized and it is actually functioning as the body of Christ. Because the body of Christ, like your body and my body, is the outward representation of the person. And that's what the church should be. The outward representation of Jesus. But unfortunately, we've gotten away from that in many ways. We talked last week about the pursuit of of maturing, the pursuit of Him, that it's not a passive one, it's an aggressive one, that we mature as we begin to know Him more intimately, and that is part of the process. We went over again Philippians 3, 10, and 11. Paul's determined purpose was to know Him, not to get a doctrine in divinity, but to know Him. Not to start 50 churches, but to know Him. Not to have a better life, but to know Him. 
Not to start a new ministry, but to know Him. Not anything other than to know Him. That was Paul's determined purpose because he had recognized it and he says as much that it is God's intention for us to know Him. He created us for relationship and it just doesn't make any sense that that relationship would be distant. He created us for intimacy. And intimacy is not a once a week thing. It's a moment by moment thing. Well, turn to chapter 4 of Ephesians, and I'm going to read through verses 11 through 14. Then we're going to discuss it real quickly. Verse 11, I'm reading out of the Amplified. And his gifts were varied, and he appointed, he himself appointed and gave men to us, some to be apostles, special messengers, some prophets, inspired preachers and its founders, some evangelists, preachers of the gospel, traveling missionaries, some pastors, shepherds of his flock, and teachers. Verse 12. Why did he do that? His intention was the perfecting and the full equipping of his saints, his consecrated people, that would be you, that they should do, what are they going to do? The work of ministering toward, toward what end? The building up of Christ's body, that is the church. Why? That it might develop until we we all attain oneness in the faith and in the comprehension of the full and accurate knowledge of the Son of God. Why? That we might arrive at a really mature manhood, the completeness of personality, which is nothing less than the standard height of Christ's own perfection, the measure of the stature of the fullness of the Christ and the completeness found in Him. So, when we, when we live out of that, so then we may no longer be children. Tossed like ships to and fro between chance gusts of wind and every changing wind of doctrine, the prey of the cunning and cleverness of unscrupulous men, gamblers engaged in every shifting form of trickery and inventing errors to mislead. So what have we learned from these passages so far? We have learned that God has gifted men to facilitate his people in the maturing work, in the maturing and equipping work of the saints. It's the Spirit's work. That's not a man's job. And when I say gifted men, that term gift is referring strictly to the Holy Spirit, not to the talents and the eloquence of someone who's speaking. Because I can sit up here and rattle at you all day long, you walk out empty. But the Spirit of God, when He speaks to your heart, when He speaks truth to you, it becomes a maturing, a work that literally grows you in your relationship. And listen, I'll tell you something else that you probably already know. And that is that I'll get up here and I'll say a lot. But there will only be little vignettes that the Spirit of God will take into into your soul and activate. Very rarely does anybody take the sum whole of a sermon and say, I was revived. It's always, you know, when you said that part right there, you know? Why? Because it would be impossible for me to humanly be able to address every place that you're at individually. But the Spirit of God can do it. He knows exactly what you need to hear. 
But you know what? We have to be willing to listen. And I want to tell you, the Bible says, Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together for this purpose. That collectively, as the body of Christ, He chooses as His medium, gifted men, that He's allowed to speak His truth into your heart, and we see it manifested as a body. Now, if you believe that you can, you can create your own truth, and there are a lot of people that don't go to church, there are a lot of people that will never pick up the Bible, there are a lot of people that will walk out, and that doesn't mean that they can't receive truth. It means that they are stubbornly not availing themselves to what God has already provided for them. Do you understand what I'm saying? They're making a choice. They're stubbornly refusing to go to truth, to hear truth. They're not rejecting me. They're not rejecting this church or rejecting some other church. They're rejecting the work of God. Does that make sense? God apparently felt it was good for us to have an under-shepherd or a pastor or a teacher to lead in the equipping process. Now... I realize that churches today have varying approaches to this, but I think Paul is making it clear that men are to be about equipping the body. Those men are to be about equipping the body for growth and maturity through and by the Word of God. That is the purpose of preaching and teaching. Okay? They're not about entertaining. They're not about building bigger buildings. They're not looking to add numbers or creating social programs. That's all man's paradigm. That's not God's paradigm. God says, listen to the truth. Be renewed in the truth of who you are in Christ. Grow into the truth of your relationship with me. And if you will seek ye first the kingdom of God, the fruit of all of those things that will be added to you will be the Spirit of God directing to you to touch that beggar, to heal that leper, to reach out to that hungry person. You remember, Jesus didn't heal every leper, did he? It's not a very effective social program. He didn't feed every hungry mouth, did he? That's not very effective. He didn't try to evangelize everybody he ran, to, ran into. But what was wrong with him? He was not working off a goal. He was not working off man's paradigm to create righteousness. He was righteousness. And his righteousness was based in his yieldedness to the Father. And he went out in obedience and he touched this person and healed him. Because the Father says heal him. Because only the Father knows when healing is best. Did you know healing is not always best? And Father says feed that person because only the Father knows when it's best to feed that person. Do you know sometimes it's good for us to go hungry? He made that direction in his life. And when man steps in, it quickly becomes all about him. Jesus walked in a yielded capacity to the Father and us as ministers and church as organizations should be about the equipping and the, and the perfecting of the saints, perfecting them in the practice of walking in the truth so that out of them will flow rivers of living water and the Father can direct yielded hearts to feed, to heal, to minister, to touch rather than people who are driven by their own agenda and desire for self-righteousness. I'm not saying that everybody does that for that purpose. 
But I'm saying that anybody that operates outside of the direct yielding and working of the Holy Spirit are operating out of the flesh. Do you understand that? Apart from me, you can do what? That's the truth. We learned in verse 12 that the perfecting and equipping is an ongoing process. It's progressive for the saints. And God has intended that you do so so that you can learn to function as a child of God. It means a, He means a healthy, growing child that does the work of ministry. If you're yielded to the life of Christ in you, what do you think that life is going to do? It's going to minister. Ministry doesn't stop. And it will minister. And it's not dependent upon you to recognize. We talked about this in in Bible study. It's not up to you necessarily. Just because you don't see big miracles happening doesn't mean that you're not ministering because Jesus never stops. He doesn't stop. He, He has never retired. He wants to work through you. You remember the verse we read in Ephesians 2.10? He says, For we are God's own handiwork, His workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, for us, taking paths which He prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life which He prearranged and made ready for us to live. Are you living the good life? Sounds like a commercial, doesn't it? But that's what he says. And do you know the good, again, I said this before, the good works that God has prepared is not our gift to God. It's God's gift to us because it reaffirms as we act in obedience the truth of who we are in Christ. And that reaffirmation is nurture, it's life, it's joy, it's what brings us a sense of of completeness. Verse 12 tells us that healthy, maturing, growing children of God will do the work of ministering toward building up the body of Christ. Let me tell you something. It's very clear that it is the saints, that is you folks, who build the body of Christ. I have a commission through my Savior that He wants to use me to minister and to you from the standpoint of equipping and helping the Spirit of God. I mean, facilitating the Spirit of God. I don't add anything to Him in maturing you. But the building up the body of Christ is your work. It's what God wants to do through you. You understand that? Doesn't mean that's your physical work. That's what the Spirit of God wants to do through you. So here's the thing. I'm not putting you all out on a membership drive. I'm not putting you out on an evangelistic drive. I'm not putting you out on any kind of drive. All I'm saying to you is the body of Christ. If you want to build up the body of Christ, here's how you do it. Yield. Just yield. God says, speak to that man, speak to that man. God says, invite, invite that person, invite that person. But you know what? When they see Jesus manifest in your life, one of the first things they'll ask, <laughs> it's amazing to me why they ask this question, but they will ask, what church do you go to? <laughs> they do. They, they ask, what church do you go to? As if your membership had anything to do with the work of God in you. Listen, you're part of a greater body, a bigger work, and if you'll yield to the Spirit of God, you will build the body of Christ. Because Christ builds the church. That's the truth. Now what does that tell you about those who, who, who are in the church who season their conversations with criticism 
or who are more in tune with the weaknesses than the strengths? Are they building up or tearing down? Is that maturity? One of the first signs of immaturity is a critical and dissentious spirit. When we get away from the truth, it is because we've condemned, when we start trying to pull the work down, regardless of our judgment of it, what we're doing is we're separating ourselves from the truth and trying to get others to go along with us. That's generally the work we're doing. It's tearing down. Paul goes on to give us the goals of the church in verse 13. One of them is the unity of faith that we as a body hold to and stand fast and fully embrace the Word of God in the person of Jesus Christ and in the inerrant Scriptures by faith. Remember this unity is one of faith and not of reason. Believing that God is all that His Word says that He is and that you are all that God says you are. That's the tough part. I don't have a hard time believing that, believing all that God says about Himself. I just sometimes have a hard time believing all that God says about me. Don't you? That's the tough part. You know, Hebrews 10.38 says this, But the just that is the child of God, shall live by faith. My righteous servant shall live by his conviction respecting man's relationship to God and divine things and holy fervor born of faith and conjoined with it. And if he draws back and shrinks in fear, my soul has no delight in him. But listen to this. My righteous servant shall live by his conviction respecting man's relationship to to God. You see, it comes back to relationship, doesn't it? We live out of faith. We don't always feel like we're in union with God, do we? We don't always feel like He loves us. We don't always feel like He's sovereign or in control. We don't always feel like He's got our best interest in, at heart. But we declare it so with the determination of a faith that will not bend. And that is where the maturing work comes. First we declare in faith, and then the work of faith is affirmed within us. Not necessarily in circumstances. We go forward, and we say, I believe He is in me. I believe He is with me. I believe He is directing my paths. I believe that He goes before me. I believe that all things work together for good. I believe that He is my provision. I believe that He is my peace. I believe that He holds me and that I am protected and that I am His own, that He never rejects me, that He always accepts me, that I am confident of His love. I will believe. I don't know anything else that works. I'm going to believe. Now that may not sound theological, but that's the truth. And you have to declare it over your soul. Not on Saturday and Sunday, but moment by moment you declare it. Because don't think for a second, the forces of unbelief in your soul and in this world and in the enemy himself don't continue to try to shake that moment by moment. I will believe. We learn that we are to develop oneness in the full and accurate knowledge of the Son of God. That this knowledge is not a casual acquaintance with Jesus or just salvation understanding, but an ever-growing intimacy with Him through His life and revelation. Colossians 1 verses 9-10 through 10 say, says this, 
For this reason we also, from the day we have heard of it, have not ceased to pray and make special requests for you, asking that you may be filled with the deep and clear knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom, in comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God, and in understanding and discernment of spiritual things, that you may live, walk, live, and conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of our Lord, fully pleased to him, desiring to please him in all things, bearing fruit in every good work, and steadily growing and increasing in and by the knowledge of God with fuller, deeper, and clearer insight, acquaintance, and recognition. This is the truth that growth and maturity is walking in a familiarity with an intimate, loving God, being able to recognize Him in every situation, declare His handiwork, declare His sovereignty, declare His love over every instant and circumstance of your life. And as you grow in faith, as you grow in that understanding, in that intimacy, you will gain a fuller and deeper knowledge of Him because I know in my hunger that He is my provision because I know in my pain that He is my peace because I know in the hard things of life that He is my resting place and I walked there with Him and I walked in the dark places with Him and I walked in the barren places with Him And I have a history with the Lord. And I have known His provision. And I have known His peace. And I have known His comfort. And I have known His security. And I have known His rest. That is the source of my faith. It's the cornerstone of my life. And I have grown in it as I have walked. And that is how you grow. That is how you grow. This knowledge is necessary. This intimacy is, as we said, the pathway of maturity and growth. And verse 13 says so, that we might arrive at a really mature manhood. Now, that is to be all that God created us to be. And what is the standard of maturity? Well, the verse says, it is nothing less than the standard height of Christ's own perfection. The measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ and the completeness found in Him. That is the standard. Okay? How are you feeling about your maturity? In other words, the standard for maturity is Jesus. That is the standard. How did Jesus live as a man? Jesus lived as a man in union with the Father. John 10.30 I and the Father are one. He chose to live in total dependency or totally yielded to that union rather than out of his humanity. How was he able to minister and to do the works that his father told him to do? John 5.30. You should memorize that one if you're going to memorize one because it is a good reference for where the strength comes from and a good choice and a good truth for your life. It says right here, Jesus speaking. Jesus, the Son of God, standing in His humanity and in His union with God, says, I am able to do nothing from myself, independently of my own accord, but only as I am taught by God and as I get His orders. What do you think God expects of you? How much is He expecting you to know and do? Listen to Jesus. 
Even as I hear, I judge. I decide as I'm bidden to decide. As the voice comes to me, so I give a decision. And my judgment is right, just, righteous. Because, why? Because I do not seek or consult my own will. I have no desire to do what is pleasing to myself, my own aim, my own purpose but only the will and pleasure of the Father who sent me. That is the measure of maturity right there. Well, what was Jesus' heart for us? Well, it's in His prayer for us in John seventeen twenty one. He says that they all may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you that they also may be one in us, so that the world may believe and be convinced that you have sent me. What is his desire for you? What is his prayer for you? That you may be one with him as he was with the Father. As he walked with the Father, you walk with him. As he couldn't do anything of himself, he says, apart from me you can do what? Nothing. Nothing. Thank you for joining us today for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation, rest in His life moment by moment, and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. To get to know us better, visit us on the web at hislifefellowship.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If this message has blessed you, you can help support this program with your gift to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 781-529, San Antonio, Texas, 78278. And now, before we go, our prayer for you this coming week is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you and that you would remember that wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.